0: Hi and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into *Blind Spotting* and *The Hate You Give* in today's review episode. Really ain't that far. Today's two films: *Blind Spotting*, *The Hate You Give*. Um, both 2018 films, both have come out relatively recently. I saw them relatively recently. Uh, Blind Spotting uh, was in theaters a few months back um, in limited release, so uh, I don't think too many people got a chance to see it. Uh, the Hate You Give has only recently gone wide uh, across the country, so uh, more people are getting a chance to see it right now. But Both films uh, deal with very, very similar subject matter. Uh, Both films follow a protagonist uh, who is a witness to a police shooting of a black person, uh, as it turns out, a black man in both movies, and then subsequently follows those characters uh, as they try to rationalize, deal with, uh, and and understand what's happening, and uh, it, it, the movies tackle this issue in very different ways, um, but I, I think they're very comparable in in that sense. You know, they they this is this is a very hot button issue uh, in in the current society that we live in, and one that I, I imagine is going to get brought up again and again and again. And both of these movies. Uh, have a very unique and fascinating way of approaching this this issue and approaching, approaching these characters who have dealt with and, and witnessed uh, the, the atrocities that, that happen right in front of them. Uh, so Spotting, directed by Carlos Lopez Estrada, uh, who this is the only film of his I've seen, it's really the only film He's done, uh, that's a feature length film, I believe. Um, look in here. Yes. Um, starring uh, David Diggs, who is in Hamilton, uh, probably his most well known uh, role, Raphael Castle, uh, Janina Gavankar, Jasmine Cephas Jones, Ethan Embry, Wayne Knight, uh, and others. And blind spotting follows be Diggs, who is Colin. Uh, he is going through the final days of his probation uh, for for something that he did uh, that you see in the movie and uh, has its own sort of stigma around it. And his best friend Miles, played by Raphael uh they both work as movers for a company, a moving company. And on the on one night. Um, Colin uh, heading home uh, at a stop at an intersection uh, is nearly runs a, runs into a, a black guy who is running away from the police and as he passes uh, Colin's truck we see the cop stop aim and shoot and kill the guy uh, I, I don't know how many times he shot him in the back but you know four or five times maybe. And uh, Colin drives away, and he he doesn't doesn't really know how to process this. He doesn't it doesn't know how to how to make sense of, of what's happening. And throughout the rest of the film, you know he he the the tension increases between him and his best friend uh, Miles, who is white, uh, but who acts very stereotypically. Black, who is who, you know, he has grills. He's very tattooed. You know, his his the the his his dialect, his his mannerisms are all stereotypically you know African American in that sense. Uh, Far more so than how how Colin acts and uh, David Diggs' Diggs character. So the film kind of plays these two uh, against each other a, a little bit in a way to kind of get at the truth of what it means to experience this this tragedy what it means for an african american person to to have to reconcile with the the reality of you know his best friend who acts more black than he does uh is also white and therefore has this privilege of being able to do that and not fear for his life should something happen, whereas Devi Diggs has to go out of his way and has to act, quote unquote, more white to do everything he can to mitigate the potential, you know, pitfalls that that occur all around him all of the time. Uh, you know, they go to a party. Where um, Miles' character gets in a fight. And, you know, it's a situation that, you know, we see David Diggs looking on in horror as this fight tape happens and Miles, you know, wins the fight. And you just feel this, this creeping, crawling sense that, that whatever happens, Miles is going to be fine. He could kill this guy, and he's gonna be fine. And you know that if the situation was reversed, if it was if it was Colin who was the one beating this other guy to a pulp, it probably wouldn't be fine. It would probably be really, really not fine. Uh, and this this friendship that that plays between the two of them and and you know fluctuates and escalates is. Uh, is is fascinating. I, I, I love the way they approach this friendship. I love the way that they approach these characters. You know, when when the, you know, the police shooting happens and uh, the officer uh, in <laughs> who, who did it doesn't, you know, get the, kind of just gets the slap on the wrist, uh, you know, paid leave kind of reaction that seems to happen more often than not. And, you know, the whole time, Colin is, you know, again, waiting to get out of his his probation period. Uh, It's the last few days of that. Uh, And on the other side, you know, Miles is not on probation. You know, he was not um, arrested despite the circumstances that resulted in uh, Colin's arrest. And he, you know, he reacts in a very different way. Than, than Colin. You know, Colin's reaction to what happened and having seen it firsthand was to de-escalate. You know, it was, it was, it wasn't, okay, I gotta be prepared for this. It's I gotta do everything in my power to avoid that situation, no matter what happens. Whereas Miles, who is white and therefore doesn't really know that doesn't really have the same fears, uh, in that way, you know, his reaction is, is, you know, I need to protect myself. I need to, you know, I need to be bigger. I need to be more of a, of a, of an imposing figure. I need to make it so that there's, you know, he, 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 he goes the opposite direction and it's mind boggling to Colin that, that he would do some of the things that he does, that he would take the differences and changes that he's, you know looking at, and it, it just it's very striking, it's very, very fascinating in that sense. Um, one of the other conceits that the film uses is um rap. The film, you know, Colin, uh, you know, a couple of times throughout the film, uh, just you know, starts rapping. You know, they're walking, he and he and Miles walking down the street, and Colin just you know, kind of freestyling. Uh, and, and really getting into it, and so on. And what I, uh, uh, you know, I, I was kind of okay with that. I think that's a, it's a, it's okay throughout most of the film. But man, it there's a sequence at the end which has Colin full on, you know, wrapping his heart out, uh, like his life depends on it, and it is intense. It is hyper-focused, uh, it, it, is, it is raw and powerful, um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot, there's more I want to talk about this film, uh, re- regarding this film, um, that I'm going to do in a spoiler section at the end, uh, and there's a couple of lines from this rap, he says, that I, I just have to, have to mention because they are so powerful, so beautifully written. Uh, it's it's really really um, fascinating and uh, power you know just just the the it's it's in you know you use rap as this this kind of a weapon this kind of a um oh, there's a better word but I'm not sure what it is uh, in a way that makes it so that you know rap which is Generally associated with, you know, African American people with black people, and they're they're, uh, you know, the vast majority of rappers are not white; they are black, and using that medium as a way to get across this this point, this this hurt, this pain that Colin feels, uh, you know, is a fantastic decision. And, and you know it makes complete sense and, and it works so well, uh, you know you have to just feel it and and you can you know hear the the pain you can hear the um all of the anguish and and it's 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 in, it's very very moving of a movie it's it's raw but it's it's so moving it's so moving. And I really enjoyed Blind Spotting, um, quote unquote. Enjoyed. I, I really think it's a good movie. I, I think it's it's a lot of interesting dynamics. You know, being just you, you get these moments between Colin and Miles where they are kind of having these heart to hearts. They are, you know, really hitting each other hard with with these truths and realities that the other one maybe doesn't realize or or isn't. Paying any attention to, and it's 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 a tough watch. It it certainly is a tough you know any movie about this kind of thing is is not easy to to watch and experience. Um, and, and honestly, Blind Spotting certainly has its moments uh, of of you know hard to hard to watch, tough to tough to keep your eyes on the screen. And The Hate You Give has just as many, maybe even more. Uh, You know, I got to see this over the weekend. It finally came to theaters near me. Uh, This is directed by George Tillman Jr., um, which the only other film of his I've seen is The Inevitable Defeat of Mr. and Pete, uh, which I think is very good. Um, And this is his most recent. Endeavor starring Amanda Stenberg, Lamar Johnson, Regina Hall, Russell Hornsby, Anthony Mackey, Common, uh, Algie Smith, Issa Rae, and TJ Wright, among others. And in this, in, in the hate you give, as opposed to blind spotting, Amanda Stenberg, uh, our lead character protagonist, uh, is not an older, is not, you know, a, a tw- late 20s, early 30s man uh, getting out of prison. She is a kid. She's a 16-year-old girl who is in high school. Uh, She lives in, you know, a pretty poverty-stricken area of her town, Uh, but her parents, uh, played by Russell Hornsby and Regina Hall, have her and her brothers go to a different school, uh, one that's predominantly white, one that doesn't have, you know, shootings every other day, one that doesn't Uh, indoctrinate you into drugs and other things and you know what I love one of the things that this movie does so well is you know Sten, Manla Stenberg has voiceover through uh, large portions of the film and early one of the early sequences you know she's describing the areas of her town and and the high school in her town that she doesn't go to and why she doesn't and she compares uh, herself to herself uh, she compares herself at home to herself at school. You know this is this is star 2.0 at school. you know, this is how she is, how I am, when I have to be around all these other people when I have to be around all these people who don't know who I am, who don't recognize where I'm from, who don't understand what it means to be me and have her skin color and and, and live where she does you know it to, to and then at home she's kind of different and she she's she's kind of on the opposite side of the spectrum you know her friends are all from this poverty stricken area they are all from this uh you know drug filled slum um where the most available job is selling drugs you know they they she acts more you know she has that dialect whereas when she's in the at school you know she doesn't have that way of speaking you know she is more quote unquote proper she is more quote unquote white and it's from the beginning we have this fascinating character in this very conflicting inner turmoil as she tries to Figure out a way to be both herself, when she has to be, and not herself, and, and manage the two sides equally. But all of that changes when uh, a friend of hers that she's grown up with from a little kid, Algie Smith's character, um, Khalil, uh, is taking her home from a party. You know, there's a fight breaks out of the party, uh, gunshots... Everyone runs out. You know, Star didn't have anything to do with it. Uh, Khalil didn't have anything to do with that. But they're they're they he he drives away. She goes with him. uh, To he goes to take her home, and along the way, you know, they stop. They have a heart to heart. They catch up. You know, they hadn't seen each other for a few for quite some time. And uh, when he's pulled over by the cops, uh, he reaches. You know, she. Star has been trained and taught what this means and, and, and what to do and how to act in a situation like this. And it's, it's, it's two very different approaches between Star and Khalil when, when they're pulled over. And both of them are equally disturbing. Star immediately puts both of her hands on the dashboard. She's yelling at Khalil to do the same thing. Meanwhile, Khalil is sitting there, you know, kind of just like blase about the whole thing, you know, like waiting to figure out what he did wrong and why he was pulled over. And, you know, when the cop shows up on their door and he rolls down the window, he's he's sassy. He's uh, he's very short with this cop and, and, you know, indignant that he's even being asked that he was pulled over because he doesn't know what he did wrong and you know it's it's this these two separate worlds one you're terrified because the fact that a simple routine traffic stop almost necessitates this sort of overreaction of of I'm doing absolutely nothing. My hands are on the dashboard. I'm not reaching for a single thing. Like that mentality is scary. Whereas. When you watch. Khalil's character. You know talk back to the cop. And you know kind of demand. To know what's going on. Why he was pulled over. You know you're. On the surface level like that should be okay. You should be able to ask what you did wrong. And get an answer. You should be able to you know understand what the situation is is what's happening in this situation but at the same time you know watching this 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 conversation play out that it's not going to end well you know that because of the way he's acting because of what he's saying you know as you know maybe rude is is an accurate description for some of it but at the same time it's not threatening and yet watching it you just know that it's not going to go well and that's just as scary and so ultimately you know the worst does happen the cop shoots Khalil. Star sees it. She's right there. She jump runs out of the car to stand, sit by, to like see if he's okay. The cop grabs her, you know, handcuffs her, and she's sitting next to him, Khalil, as he bleeds out next to her. This happens very early in the movie, uh, maybe twenty five minutes or so in. So the rest of the movie is about Star trying to figure out what it means to be that this witness. To have this perspective, this vision, this sight that no one else did. She doesn't want to say anything because it'll change their, everyone's perception of her at school. They don't know that that's the life she lives. They don't know that she... Fears for her. Her very safety. When she's pulled over for a routine traffic stop. She doesn't want to say anything. Because. She doesn't want the attention. On herself. On her family. Khalil. You know. Was in with some bad people. Which. Which. You know, didn't really change, it didn't really affect the outcome of what happened to him. But because he, he was, you know, that's what a lot of people are talking about. They're making it out to be that he, in some weird fucked up way, deserved it. Trying to, sh- you know, to twist the story. And so to come forward and, and talk about him and, and explain who he was and what happened and how things turned out would be also to reveal some of that truth. You know, exactly who, you know, she doesn't want to talk about who he was working for because that's a that's one, someone in her town who knows her, who knows her family and that could put them at danger. And I think those are all credible, credible fears and and concerns. But then things start to, to shift as the story plays out. More and more and more, Star begins to notice these things about her friends, about her family, about the people at her school. When there's a protest for Khalil, her entire school leaves. They all they all cut class to go protest. But from the way they talk about it, they're not doing it for Khalil. They're doing it, you know, to get out of a science chemistry test. When the news program plays and one of her friends and, and you know and you see the father of the police officer you know afraid because he and his family are all getting death threats, and one of starr's friends says, "Blue lives matter too." How do, how do you how do you react to that when your uncle who is also, who is a cop? You know, it, it can't, can't, it can't even lie about the fact that they treat black and white suspects differently. You know, all these things happening around her. And they're just piling on them on top of each other, one by one by one. Until eventually, under the weight of, of it all, under the crushing pressure, she can't not say something. She has to be the voice, Khalil's voice, because he doesn't have one anymore. and from that point things just get further and further and further away from from safe she she becomes entrenched in a in a positive way entrenched in this cause and you find these two separate lives that she'd been trying to lead, these two versions of herself that she'd been trying to maintain and balance, begin to, to morph into one. And so she's a little more indignant when she's at home. She's a little less proper when she's at school. Everything bleeds together together. And the whole weight of the world, you know, rests on her shoulders. Star is a, an incredible character. Uh, incredible character. I really I really enjoyed, I really I, I, I cried a lot watching the hate you give. It's incredibly sad. It's incredibly emotional and powerful. It speaks to a lot of a lot of problems going on around us. Um on all sides, you know. It's more than just white police officers uh shooting unarmed black people. It's it's more than that. But obviously that is a a big big portion of of the film. And It's not it's not an easy watch, you know. Neither of these movies are. They're both they're both um Tragic, very tragic. Uh, they're both well acted, well directed, well written. Uh, they both they both say a lot about very very heavy and important topics. and they should both be seen if you can find them. They're both very, very good movies. Uh, so that's that's about it now. Uh, like I said, I do want to do some spoilers, at least for Blind Spotting. Maybe for the hit you give. Um, just just a couple of things that I want to make sure I, I talk about because they they affected me in a way, and I think they're important. So um, yeah, let's uh, let's move into some spoilers, starting right now. That's too many questions, you don't want answers to. you don't like my direction, Hell, i won't follow you so let me let me i want to talk about this ending of blind spotting first and foremost uh let me kind of set the set the stage here a little bit so the ending sequence uh colin and miles are show up at a house to move uh move some of their furniture some of their items uh, as they enter the house, the, the woman of the house and her child are, are leaving. Uh, she mentions that most of the boxes are kind of just waiting for them and just need to be moved out into the truck that they have. Uh, she mentions that her husband is somewhere in the house uh, if they need him and so on and so forth. And they do that. They move. And you know, Colin, it's hot. Colin takes off his, his shirt and he runs back in to grab it when they're finished with the last box. And uh, he's wiping the sweat off of his face and he looks down and there are two picture frames uh, by, the f- by the front door that have been placed face down so they don't get broken. And he looks at the first one. And I think it's a picture of uh, the daughter, the girl that lives in the house. And he picks up the second one. And you, you know as a viewer what's happened when he picks it up. It's a picture you know the father, the husband is the cop, the one that got off the one that shot at the guy shot the black guy that that Colin saw die and colin Colin is is incapable of letting it go he turns around the corner and hears. Here's the cop uh, in in like a work shed uh, kind of area And he walks into the room The cop has his back turned to Colin And um, eventually recognizes that there's another presence there And turns around And at this point Colin isn't wearing his, his moving uniform It's in his hands but you can't tell that he's a mover just by looking at him and you get this feel this pit in your stomach that the cop is worried for his life because he doesn't know who this guy is but he's just standing there and they just stand there and look at each other for a few seconds. They don't say anything. and then the cop's eyes dart to a table positioned between them. And we cut to the table. And sitting on the table is the cop's gun. And Colin sees it too. And they both make a move for it. And Colin grabs the gun first. And he has the cop on the other end of the gun. The cop puts his hands up. And then we see Miles come back into the house looking for Colin. And he doesn't know where he is. And then he hears... The commotion. He he enters the room too. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know. He's trying to say, trying to get Colin to stop, to to just let it go, to leave, to do something, and and Colin just won't listen. And he starts. It it just kind of the adrenaline just kind of rushes to his head, and he starts. You know, he's bouncing up and down, and he's he starts rapping. He starts freestyling about what happened. About his experience about the cop and what he did and how awful this systemic attack of of policemen on on black unarmed black people has just exploded and it gets more and more aggressive until finally Finally, we reach the end of the rap, and it's part of this. And this whole kind of scene is one of my favorite scenes of the year. I've nominated for best scene on my awards. But he he finishes. Uh, Colin finishes, and I will not say one of the words uh, for reasons, uh, obviously. But he says, "Ain't too hard to figure that you probably never really felt the pressure." Of a, but you know what? I ain't, but you know what? I ain't never felt the pressures of a trigger. And he says this I ain't never felt the pressures of a trigger. You know, Colin is, you know, he, he, he never. He's never had a gun to his head. Just the way that he he doesn't think that this cop's ever really had anything happen to him by a black person. He never he never experienced one as a friend, as a human being. And that's why he did what he did. That's why that you know that's what he's saying. That's why you know the situation resulted in what it resulted in. And he says that and he puts the gun back on the table. The cop has tears streaming down his face. And Colin leaves. And Miles is still there, kind of recovering. And uh, the cop is in shock. And they ma- he makes eye contact with Miles. And he tells Miles, I didn't mean to. That's what he says, I didn't mean to. And Miles looks at him And he says You sure and it just it 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 puts an exclamation point on on just a beautiful, beautiful moment. A beautiful scene, so perfectly written, you know, so powerfully uh, so powerfully enunciated. You know, Miles is. You know, there's an earlier scene in the movie where Miles and Colin fight in this parking lot, and Colin really gets on Miles for you know, you know, Colin has you know used he's he's used the N word to refer to Miles many times in their lives, all the time, you know. Second nature. But he's never heard Miles say it back to him. You know. It's, it's this. This separation. Between these people. And by the end of the movie. You know. Miles has started to figure out. You know. As. as much as he is not an immediate problem in this whole whole issue you know he is still you know he has this privilege and he wasn't aware or you know didn't take take stock of what he was doing and in how he was able to use it but now he he's sort of figuring it out And I just, I love that scene. I think it's absolutely incredible. I think it's it's so beautifully done. Ain't too hard to figure that you probably never really felt the pressure of a, but you know what? I never felt the pressures of a trigger. It's a lot. A lot. Now, in the "H Give," I don't know if I have too many spoilers that I want to go into for that. Uh, you know, I love the scene. You know, I, I mentioned I cry a lot. You know, the when when the, the I, I mentioned the voiceover, and I, I really really love the voiceover in this movie. There's a moment where Star picks up a bullhorn and gets on top of the hood of a car. To, to talk to a group of protesters. And when she picks it up, her voiceover comes in and she says it's just as heavy as a gun. And she says if, if the cop had picked this up instead of his gun, if he had, he had said put your hands up instead of just shooting... They wouldn't be here. When she talks to Common, who plays her uncle, who's a cop, you know, she asks him about why they don't just say, "Put your hands up." And Common, you know, he he tells her, "Look, you know, we if we think we see a gun, we can't take that risk." You know, he lays out the situation and. You gotta. To be fair, you know there are obvious reasons for some of the mental mental decisions that go through a cop's head when you're in a situation like that. When when you're telling someone, when you're trying to get a situation under control, when you're using your words to say, "I need you to do this thing," uh, so that I can figure out what 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 really is going on in this situation, right? and when the person you're talking to won't do those things that's that's a red flag i get that uh, uh, that makes sense right he lays it out pretty plainly that if you're telling somebody to to you know to to listen to shut up to to do this to do that and they don't do that if they're fighting you on it that that generally can be that they're you know they're hiding something Maybe that's true I, I don't know, I don't have statistics like that I don't, I don't know what, what the what, how, how true that is But But the more important thing Is that Star asks him What if it was a white guy In a suit In a Mercedes And he reaches into the car And he grabs something that you think Is a gun, that you think might be a gun What do you do? And Common just stares at her. And finally he says, I'd tell him to put his hands up. And she just can't believe what she heard. She says said, she said something of like, do you even hear yourself? Do you not realize what you just said? You can pretend again and again and again that it's all about statistics, that it's all about likelihood and you know it doesn't it doesn't matter you know if if there are five black drug dealers for every one white one when you're in a situation where for even a split second lives could be at stake I if you're even close to thinking about needing to pull that trigger, you have to be damn sure you're willing to be wrong. You have to be so confident, so confident, When we watch Khalil get shot earlier in the movie, right after it happens, the cop comes over. The, the cop is like circling around his body asking, where's the gun? Where's the gun? I didn't see it. And starts screaming at him, there's no gun. There's no gun. It was a hairbrush. And then the camera sees the hairbrush and the cop sees the hairbrush and he freaks out. If you don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I, I just don't. I personally, yeah, I couldn't. I, now, now, I personally couldn't either way, but, you know, even under the circumstances, I couldn't. probably why i wouldn't make a good cop but um to clarify i wouldn't make a good cop because even if i was even if i knew 100% that the other person had a gun i couldn't make that call you know um it's uh it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing. Um furthermore, furthermore, um the hate you give has a uh, oh. No, fix this real quick. Um, I currently get put Amanda Stenberg, Stenberg uh, for Hate You Give in my lead actor nominations. I put uh, Nick Hornsby. Is that his name? Russell Hornsby. I don't know who Nick Hornsby is. Russell Hornsby, who plays her father, is in my list of supporting actors. I thought he was fantastic. Uh, he does such a great job of, of being vulnerable and funny, but uh, just just a fantastic father as well as someone who is is willing to give his family what they need, who wants to who doesn't want to stifle them or who lets them just ha- do what they want and, and and be the person that they need to be. I thought Hornsby did a fantastic job as the father. Uh, I have Audrey Wells, Aubrey Wells, Audrey, Aubrey? Um, Audrey Wells uh, in in my list for screenplay. Uh, The late Audrey Wells, which is very tragic and very unfortunate that she is passed. Um, So I have uh, three nominations for Hate you give for blind spotting. I have David Diggs for lead right now. I have um, Rafael Castle as supporting, and then I have the scene I mentioned the rap with the you sure Um, all in there. So, for three nominations for blind spotting as well. Um, Yeah, I I really enjoyed both of these movies and uh, highly recommend them. Highly recommend them. so that's it That's it. that's the end of the day excuse me that's the end of the episode. Uh, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it it means a lot uh, doing encourage you to go check out these episodes, these movies if you can. I think they're important and good. And now the outro courtesy of Meg. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you would like to listen to more episodes, you can find this podcast at circleoffilm.com or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. If you'd like to follow Ryan on Twitter, you can find him at circleoffilm or contact him through email at circleoffilm at gmail.com. You can also support the show at patreon.com slash circleoffilm for as little as eight cents an episode. Thank you again for listening, and have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same tonight. I know she'll never leave me. Even as she fades from view So long, farewell. I'll be the same adieu. In the name of love. One night in the name of love. So long, farewell. Oh, I'll be the same. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute.